Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. God help me today. I want to minister on this thought. Purpose is not always visible. And I've been in prayer. This has been a a tremendous week for us in uh, receiving from the Lord. And your pastor needs impartation often. And I'm not just sitting on the sidelines and studying only for me. When I'm studying for a message or I'm studying the word of God, I'm asking the Lord to give me a healthy diet to minister to this body in this season of our church. And one of the things that I make myself available to is the mentorship of my spiritual fathers and leaders. And this past week, I had the opportunity to be in Houston, Texas, being poured into by Pastor Don and Susan Norton, who we consider to be fathers and mentors in our life. And hopefully in the near future, they'll be coming to impart to us as well here corporately. But I felt so encouraged and felt so lifted up. And, you know, how many like to be encouraged? How many like to be lifted up? Amen. Smile at somebody because that right there will encourage somebody right now. In fact, I want to challenge you to tell somebody, say, I love you. (laughs) Excuse me. When When you ask people to say that, some people are not comfortable with saying I love you. But I want to be the first to tell you today, if no one else has told you, I love you. I love and appreciate you. And I want to thank this amazing church for wrapping your arms around us. Pastor Beverly and I this past week celebrated our 22 pastoral anniversary, our 22 years. And I feel loved. I feel accepted. I feel encouraged. And ministry is not a cakewalk, a missionary poured into our life for years, Sister Naomi Burke was in, on the Indian field, on the Indian reservations in Oklahoma and different places in Mexico and New Mexico and, and, and Montana and just different places. And when we would meet with Sister Burke, she would go to impart and pour into us. She'd say to us ministers, she'd say, it's not all fried chicken. She talked about sometimes there's ups and sometimes there's downs. And I found that to be true. In fact, when I've gone on actual foreign mission fields, I found out I ate stuff that was called chicken and don't know if it was. I've, ate in, I've had to eat uh, what was set before me. I've had uh, chickens that were the head still on it, the feet still on it. I've ate fish that were swimming in a bowl and cooking while it was sitting there. And, uh, and I, I remember one time when we were in China that they had, everybody got a, a bowl of rice and we got our own uh, chopsticks. And I didn't know how to use chopsticks, but I acted like I did. And uh, I had rice everywhere. But the guy who was uh, ministering to us for that meal, they set, the, they set a bowl on the middle of the table with a, with a dead fish in it, intact, head, tail and all. And then they had, everybody had a rice bowl. And he would take his chopsticks, dig into the side of that fish like a ninja, and drop it in your bowl. And he went around the table, and he gave everybody fish in their bowl. Okay, this is (laughs) pre-COVID. Same chopsticks. Come on now. No gloves. 
I didn't even want to see where this food was being prepared. Later I would. But they would put it in there. And then not only would he eat with the same chopsticks, he would eat with the chopsticks that he would also be serving you with. And you'd just be, I would get to the point where I was like, I really don't want any more. And before I looked down, by the time I looked down, there, were more, there was more fish in my bowl. I didn't even see him do it. <laughs> he was so quick. I've learned to be thankful. I've learned to realize that in every season, give thanks. If the Lord helped me today, the, the reason that I preach this is because I want you to know that pain is inevitable in your life. And sometimes you don't know the purpose of why you went through what you went through. It's not till you come through that you can know the purpose for the pain that you had to endure. So I'm excited to share the word with you this morning because I understand the word of the Lord is fresh. The word of the Lord is powerful. The word of the Lord is quick. The word of the Lord is life-giving. The word of the Lord will pick you up when you feel so down in your spirit. The Bible said the flower fades, the grass withers, but the Lord, word of the Lord shall stand forever. And so this word that I'm going to share with you today, I believe it's going to be a strength to you today. Are you ready for some strength? Say this with me. Purpose is not always visible. Problems are visible, but purpose is not always visible. Turn with me to the Old Testament today for the text out of Exodus chapter 14. And while you're turning to Exodus chapter 14... I want to thank everybody that stopped by the Connections Cafe and got a free cup of coffee and a free dose of conversation before service. I want to thank the ladies, the wonderful team that serves in our Connections Cafe. If you didn't get a drop of coffee, get one after the service. Don't leave the service while I'm preaching, but just wait till the service is over and then run on down and get you some. In the text of Exodus chapter 14, Moses is called to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. 400 years of slavery. And the Bible said as Moses would become that great deliverer who would answer God's call in a burning bush experience, would eventually get past his excuses and make his way down to Egypt to begin to broadcast to Pharaoh to let God's people go, the Bible teaches us that Pharaoh resisted. Pharaoh didn't want to let God's people go. In fact, when you have slaves working for you for free, you don't want to have to give up who's been helping you. Are you here? So for 400 years, he has been a taskmaster with a heavy hand over the people of God, Israel. And when God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, the Bible said that he resisted. And because he resisted, God said, I'll show you. God sent plagues to Egypt to deal with Pharaoh's heart. And in total, there were about 10 plagues that came. There was blood. There was frogs. Bugs, wild animals, pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, and darkness. And finally, upon the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. And finally, after all these plagues, Pharaoh agreed 
but he didn't keep his word for long. Turn with me to Exodus 14, verse 8. And the Bible says that the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued after the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with a high hand. But the Egyptians pursued after them all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh and his horsemen and his army and overtook them encamping by the sea beside Phiahirath before Baal-Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them and they were sore afraid. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in this wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again, no more forever. Take a moment and give God praise right there. When God says that you will see your enemy no more forever, tell your neighbor, this is my message today. I want you to write this down again, that problems are visible and purpose is not visible. When there's a problem, it's usually something you can see. It's usually something you can feel. So a problem in your life is often visible. Something that happens. A, a bill comes that you didn't expect. Bad news comes that you didn't expect. Tragedy happens that you didn't expect. So problems usually come and are visible. But purpose is not always visible. And the problem in this text is that Pharaoh is chasing them. The problem in our life is Pharaoh is chasing me. That's the problem. The problem is if he gets me back, he may kill me. The problem is I have left who I used to be to become who I want to be. And my past is now chasing me. But the purpose is in the chase. The purpose for your life is in the chase. Do you hear what I'm saying today? See, what I want you to get right now is that there is purpose in your pain. There is purpose in your problem. There is purpose in your storm. There is purpose in your calamity. There is purpose for the trial of your faith. What you're looking at today 
and understand that you're looking at what happened, but God is looking at why it happened. We're looking at what happened when God is looking at why it happened. And you'll never be able to praise him about the what until you look at the why. I don't like what happened, but I do trust why it happened. I don't like what happened to my family, but I trust why it happened to my family. Because even though I don't like what happened, the Bible said all things work together for good of them who are called according to his purpose. Oh, there is purpose behind everything that you are going through in your life. But here's what I've come to learn in my walk with God. Revelation comes in retrospect. What is retrospect? Retrospect is when you begin to review your life. When you begin to meditate on past events. And your revelation doesn't come usually to you until you begin to have retrospect in your life. Can we go deeper? <coughs> Excuse me. These, these people were slaves, the children of Israel. They were runaway slaves. And even if... They outran Pharaoh. They would always be runaway slaves looking over their shoulder, wondering if the taskmaster was going to find them, wondering if Pharaoh was going to catch up to them. They were runaway slaves. They were running out of Egypt because as long as Pharaoh was chasing them, they would always be a slave, even though they were no longer being oppressed even though they were no longer under the heavy hand of their taskmasters, even though they were no longer under 400 years of slavery, as long as the oppressor lived, as long as Pharaoh lived, the potential to be oppressed again remained in their life. And that within itself is oppression. When you have to constantly look back over your shoulder. I know that I have a future. I know that I have a promise. I know that I have a purpose. But now I still feel like I'm oppressed. Feel like the enemy is always on my back. I feel like if I turn this way, he might get me. If I turn this way, he might get me. Let me preach to somebody. Oppression, that is oppression even within itself. Even if you are not oppressed anymore. If you have that lingering behind you, over your shoulder, that is oppression even of itself. I don't have to be a slave in bondage to be a slave to fear. So I'm delivered out of the bondage, but I'm still bound by the fear of maybe he'll get me back. I wonder how many people in this room and those of you watching today are living with the fear of maybe he will get me back. Maybe He'll catch up to me again. I wonder how many people are afraid to be happy this morning because you're afraid it won't last. I wonder how many people in this room are afraid to love because maybe it might go bad. I wonder how many people 
in this room are afraid to try because you are afraid that you might fail. As long as you allow Pharaoh to cause you to be a, a victimized by his onslaught of fear, you will still be a slave in the brickyard of Pharaoh. You may not even be there physically or geographically, but in your mind, you can still be a victim of the fear of Pharaoh's reach into your life. May I tell somebody, you'll never be free to be your highest and your best self because your oppressor is always approaching and any day now there's the thought he's going to catch up with me and get me back I'm going to bring that addiction right back in your life I'm going to bring that failure right back into your life I'm going to bring that compulsive behavior right back and you'll never be free you'll never walk in freedom have you ever seen somebody who tried to dominate somebody else and tell them you will never be free of me you will always be my woman you will always be I don't care where you go I don't care where you hide you will never be able to hide from me that's an abuser and an oppressor who's trying to victimize people oh I know I brought back some memories when I said that this morning but I want you to know if you are living with a threat that's not living at all so here's what God does God takes the children of Israel through the water. <clears throat> Say through the water. <clears throat> he takes the children of Israel through the water. Now notice this. They were saved through the water because their oppressor chased them to the water. They were saved through the water because their oppressor chase them to the water. Everything that was God's came out of the water. Everything that was God's came out of the water. Everything that was not of God drowned in the water. There are some things that God takes you through just to destroy what's chasing you. My God, I feel good this morning. You can't tell whether it's of God or not until you come out of the water and it's not on you anymore. Sometimes God allows your enemy to chase you to the water so he can drown them to get them off of you. My God. So do not fight the water and do not fight the test. God will allow you to go through what you did not expect just to get the enemy off of your back. Can I hear an amen in the house today? Somebody shake yourself and say, I got it off of me. I got it off of me. I got it off of me. I went through the test, but I got it off of me. I went down, but I came up with it off of me. I had a death a burial, and a resurrection. Woo! Shake your neighbor and tell him you've had a death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says, 
Now listen, watch this. Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 7, he that is dead is freed from what? From sin. So Paul's teaching us from the book of Romans, he that is dead is free from sin. So if we approach the chapter by context, he's teaching us really about baptism. That if we are buried with him in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection so that the debt is paid by death, burial, and resurrection. Tell somebody, I'm free. He said, whoever is dead is free from sin. Pharaoh really wasn't chasing them because he thought he owned them. But God told Pharaoh through Moses, Israel is my son. He said, Israel is my firstborn son. In fact, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll show you that Israel is my firstborn son. God says to Pharaoh, I'll kill your firstborn son until you let my son go. And the night of the Passover, that's why God went from house to house letting the death angel take the firstborn sons of Egypt because he was saying to Pharaoh, I'm going to show you what it's like to lose a son. He says in Exodus 4 and 22, Behold, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Pharaoh said, he's my slave. God said, he's my son. Pharaoh said, he's my slave. I paid for him. God said, he's my son. Pharaoh said, I'm going after my slave. God said, I'm going to deliver my son. <laughs> Whoa, what you don't understand is they're talking about the same person. The same discussion is being had about you right now. Whatever is chasing you, the enemy has said, he's my slave. And God has said, no, he's my son. Are there any sons and daughters in this house today that would look at the devil right now and say, get your hands hands off of me. I belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I wish somebody would rise up with a sonship spirit and declare, behold, all things become new. I've been adopted. I've been grafted in. I've been put into a royal family. If you believe it, shall yeah. High five somebody and tell them, I'm a son. God says, no, he's not a slave. He's my son. Now watch this. So the slave runs to the water and the son comes out.
I'm going to take somebody, take a moment to chew on that. The slave ran to the water, but a son came out. So let me just address all the former slaves in the house today. Those of you that are transforming into sonship. Let me give you my first point. (laughs) This is the place of transformation where I learned to think differently where I learned to live differently, where I learned to give differently, (laughs) where I learned to love differently. This is the place where I start acting like a son and stop living like a slave. This is a place where you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. You went into it a slave, but by the time you came out of it, you were a son because you had a transformation. Oh my God, which reality are you going to live in today? What you were or what you are? How are you going to live the rest of your life? Why is it when people demand you to be what you are that you are often referring to them what you were why do you keep referring to yourself as what you were well you know pastor I didn't have a father well you know I grew up in the hood well you know my mama left me when I was seven oh no 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 wait a minute you left all of that in the water you put all that in the water you came out of sun you are transformed by the renewing of your mind you left it in the water tell your neighbor I left all that in the water number two this is the place where it stops touch somebody and say it stops right now I don't know what your it is because every one of us have a different it But say out loud again, it stops now. He brought them to this place so it could stop now. The reason they were at the Red Sea is because it was a good drowning place. Sometimes God will allow you to get into trouble because the trouble is a good drowning place. It'll prove to you that God will fix it. Oh, while I'm here right now, I might as well go ahead and let God fix it down here in this water because it is a place of termination. It is a stopping place. Oh, come on, somebody. As long as I'm right here, then this is the place. I might as well settle this whole thing. I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I feel like I'm talking to somebody right now. This is the place. It stops here. It stops here. It stops here. This is the place. This is 
my last cigarette. This is my last drink of alcohol. This is my last extra boyfriend. This is my last extra girlfriend. You don't want to talk to me, but this is the place. I know I was weak last week. I was weak the day before, but I've come to this place. I came out of the hospital and I was transformed. This is the place of termination. It stops here. There are some things that once you go through it, when somebody tries to treat you like they used to treat you, you look at them and say, it stops here. Tell them this is the place of termination. You're sitting on the road with somebody who's often hanging something, your dirty laundry in your face and reminding you of something that happened 20 years ago. I challenge you to shout, this is the place of termination. Y'all don't want to talk to me because you're afraid of that person. It stops here. Terminated. Stress is terminated. Disease is terminated. Depression is terminated. Gossip is terminated. Fornication is terminated. Adultery is terminated. Cussing is terminated. Perversion is terminated. Lying is terminated. Cheating is terminated. Jealousy is terminated. Here's number four. This is the place of identification. (laughs) They didn't die. They just acted like they did. They had a death, a burial, and a resurrection. It's what we do at baptism, isn't it? We don't really die, but what we do is we identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So really the baptism pool (laughs) is a place of identification. It's where I identify with what he did. That's why we're baptized. Suffered to be so that it might fulfill all righteousness. I identify. Tell your neighbor, say, I identify. If you are planted, if you are buried with him in the likeness, identity, in the likeness, I didn't die, but it was like I did. I didn't die, but it was like I did. So when I'm baptized, it's like I died. Tell Pharaoh, I'm dead. When I did this, I'm dead. Listen, if you have a parent who dies and you're taking care of their estate, and, and all of the things that go with uh, the responsibilities of being the trustee of the estate, and a bill collector calls you and tells you, <clears throat> I'm calling about a bill that Mrs. So-and-so owes. All you can tell them is, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but she is deceased. And if they say, well, how am I going to get paid? You can say, I don't know what you're going to do, but she owed you till she died. 
She owed you till she died. Death pays all debts. My God. Death pays all debts. That's why Paul would say in Romans 6 and 7, he that is dead is freed from sin. You don't owe your addiction anything. You don't owe your past anything. You don't owe your cuckoo family anything. You don't owe your crazy friends anything. Death paid it all. Your death in the water freed you. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to feel guilty about it. And you sure don't have to, you don't have to serve it anymore. You are freed from it. And if you allow what happened to you to control where you are, then you have now incarcerated yourself you're free tell somebody I know you're free listen when we used to baptize people they'd come up out of the water shouting they'd, they'd, they'd just flinging water on everybody speaking in tongues shouting and carrying on crazy acting and I think sometimes that they were shouting by what they left in the water. I'm almost done. Number five, this is the place of renewed foundation. This is the place that would always become then their point of reference and their experience with God. They would always refer back to this one thing. This is the place of my renewed foundation. This is where God gives you right footing. This is where you are put in right relationship. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is getting back to what you know about God. This is I know that I know that I know that I know. You can't talk me out of what I know. I was there when God brought me out. I was there when he delivered me. I was there when he put my mind right. I was there when the shackles of addiction fell off of me. I was there when he healed me. I was there when he delivered me. I know that I know that I know. Who was it that said, I know whom I have believed in and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. If you know that you know, I want you to slap somebody and tell them I know that I know it is my foundation. You can't talk me out of what I know. There are some things you ought to know. There's some things that you are always going to remember. This is where God proved himself in my life. And I don't care who comes up to you and tells you anything or says you need to read this book or you need to know about this new philosophy. Have you studied astrology? Yeah. And all that kind of nothing, my God. You need to look at them and say, I already have a renewed foundation. 
I already know that I know that I know. You can't talk me out of my experience with God. I know that I had an encounter that is the foundation of my life. I am sure about this. Can I ask anybody in the room, do you have a foundation? Are you rooted and grounded? God will make sure that you have a firm foundation because whenever your faith shakes. He'll put you in a predicament that only he can get you out of. That's how I know that he pulled me out and proved to me not only once but again and again and again. He proves to you that you know that you know. I don't care what the future looks like. Your mind will always go back to the time where he pulled you out and told you you can know that you know I will be with you. And in that water was the place of their renewed foundation. They would teach their children for years. Do you remember when? When God brought granddaddy out of the bar. Do you remember when? When he saved me when I was a hellion. Do you remember when I was in the strip club and God pulled me out? Do you remember when I was selling drugs and God pulled me out? Do you know when I was smoking Mary Jane and God pulled me out? Do you know when I was a dealer and God pulled me out? Do you know when I was on the streets and God pulled me out? When you know I was flashing my gang signs and God pulled me out? You gotta tell somebody I know that I know somebody say I got me a foundation <laughs> let me give you number six just before I close here Hallelujah. Come on, take about 45 seconds and just start giving God some praise. Somebody's getting their foundation today. Somebody's remember I went in a slave but I came out a son. I went into the water so God could drown my enemy. He allowed it. God said this is a good place to drown something. Stand to your feet all over this building and I'll give you my last point. This is the place of debt cancellation. I wrote all this on the airplane ride coming back from Houston last night. This is the place of debt cancellation. There was a lady sitting next to me that had about 10 bourbons. I was drinking, what's it called? No, it wasn't Sprite. It was Cran Apple juice. Just so you know, your pastor don't drink alcohol. 
I just thought I'll go ahead and tack the carpet down while I'm here. Somebody tack the carpet down with your foot. Not everybody would, but the ones that wouldn't tack their foot down. The lady next to me on my right, she had had way too many. She was all slumped over. Her slip was showing. Snoring out loud, head bobbing. Every time they passed by, they gave her another bourbon. And in the next seat, I'm getting a word from the Holy Ghost. And God is, oh my God, God will visit you right in hell's kitchen. God will put a word in your spirit. I made about, I made somebody uncomfortable. I want to say, good, it's working. Holy Ghost. <laughs> this is the place of debt cancellation. The night before they left, the Lord told them to borrow the gold, borrow the silver from the Egyptians. And the Bible said that they borrowed so much, they couldn't carry it all. The Bible said even their children were bent over. Carrying, oh, somebody catch that generationally. Even their children were bent over. Oh, I wish I could preach that. <laughs> oh, I wish I could preach that, Pastor. Even their children were bent over, carrying out the gold and the silver. Yeah, I feel like prophesying to somebody in this room that if you'll live for God, even your children will be bent over, carrying out the goodness of the Lord, the gold and the silver. It belongs to your family. Even their children, Justin, were carrying the gold and the silver to lay on their children were carrying. They were bent over, carrying the gold and the silver out. 400 years hanging over their head. They borrowed so much. In fact, I believe that's why Pharaoh wasn't chasing them just because they were slaves. He wanted his gold back. Let me tell you where they got it from. It was the wealth of the unjust. Come on, somebody. It was the wealth. I prophesied this to somebody. It was the wealth of the unjust transferred from the wicked into the hands of the righteous. Generationally, they had to carry the gold and the silver and they had so many blessings on them that not only were they blessed, but their children were blessed as a result of their obedience. I'm talking about generational wealth. I'm talking about being pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Oh, 
That's why they couldn't outrun Pharaoh. They had all that gold, all that silver. They were carrying too much gold to outrun Pharaoh. That's why God had to deliver them. They had to be delivered from it. And I tell you, for somebody in this room, this is your year of supernatural debt cancellation. I feel this. This is the place where God sends transfers, opportunities, and puts favor in your hands. Somebody receive that in Jesus' name. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard. Touch seven people and tell them, I'm blessed. Touch seven people and tell them, I'm blessed. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 